Chapter Six of Among the Great Masters of the Drama. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Among the Great Masters of the Drama by Walter Rollins. Chapter Six. Peg Wolfington. In every scene of comic humor known, in sprightly sallies, wit was all thy own thy ears were ever open to distress thy ready hand was ever stretched to bless Hull's monody she never disappointed an audience through three winters in dublin and yet i have often seen her on the stage when she ought to have been in bed victor's history of the theatres of london and dublin although little davy was always a true and loving husband to his spouse he is credited with having played the hero in many love scenes prior to his marriage the heroines of these dramas were in especial the famous actresses mrs clive mrs sibber and peg wolfington for the last name it is certain that garrick felt a genuine passion which was warmly responded to by the fascinating irish girl to whom he addressed this song entitled pretty peggy once more i'll tune my vocal shell to hills and dales my passion tell a flame which time can never quell that burns for lovely peggy yet greater bards the leer should hit for pray what subject is more fit than to record the radiant wit and bloom of lovely peggy the sun first rising in the morn that paints the dew bespangled thorn doth not so much the day adorn as does my lovely peggy and when in thetis lap to rest he streaks with gold the ruddy west he's not so beauteous as undressed appears my lovely peggy where she arrayed in rustic weed with her the bleeding flocks i'd feed and pipe upon my oaten reed to please my lovely peggy with her a cottage would delight all pleases when she's in my sight and when she's gone tis endless night all's dark without my peggy when zephyr on the violet blows or breaths upon the damask rose he does not half the sweets disclose that does my lovely peggy i stole a kiss the other day and trust me naught but truth i say the fragrant breath of blooming may was not so sweet as peggy while bees from flowers to flowers rove and linnets warble through the grove or stately swans the waters love so long shall i love peggy and when death with his pointed dart shall strike the blow that rends my heart my words shall be when i depart adieu my lovely peggy these lines were written a year or two after charming mistress wolfington's first appearance in london concerning that critical period augustine daly wrote in his valuable monograph on peg wolfington wolfington found herself in the metropolis when she arrived after her hurried departure from dublin without an engagement it is reasonable to suppose that she believed her reputation and popularity in the irish capital had preceded her and that she would not experience any very great difficulty in renewing her relations with the theatre she first applied to john rich the manager of covent garden at that time the seesaw of public favour rocking between covent garden and drury lane 
had sent the latter to the ground and had lifted its rival house to the airy eminence rich at this period had grown to be quite an important creature his great good luck in the production of gay's beggar's opera which had made as the wits of the day said rich gay and gay rich had possibly over-elated the fortunate manager and it is said that at this juncture of his career he was at home to nobody under a baronet ignorant or indifferent to all this and quite self-confident of her own worth woofington boldly went to rich's office and asked to see him stage porters in those days were quite as obdurate as in our own and faithful guardians of the stage door in the eighteenth century were quite as insusceptible to bribes or beauty as they are in the nineteenth woofington made eighteen visits to covent garden before rich received her charles reed in his admirable novel peg woofington did not inflict quite so many rebuffs on poor peggy he makes her to say to triplet managers sir are like eastern monarchs inaccessible but to slaves and sultanas do you know i called on mr rich fifteen times before i could see him it was years ago and he has paid me a hundred pounds for each of those little visits a writer in the dublin review has pictured very graphically this first meeting the great manager as wolfington first saw him was lolling in ungraceful ease on a sofa holding a play in one hand and in the other a teacup from which he sipped frequently around about him were seven-and-twenty cats of all sizes colors and kinds toms and tabbies old cats and kittens tortoise shells maltese brindles white black and yellow cats of every description some were frisking over the floor others asleep on the rug one was licking the buttered toast on his breakfast plate another was engaged in drinking the cream for his tea two cats lay on his knee one was asleep on his shoulder and another sat demurely on his head peg woofington was astounded at the sight rich to her mind had for years been the greatest man in the world the menagerie of grimalkins amid which he lay so carelessly was so different an environment from her conception of the study of the covent garden theatre manager that she was embarrassed into silence rich in his turn was equally confused by the beauty of his visitor and lay staring at her for a long time before he recollected his courtesy and offered her a chair standing before him was a woman whom he afterward declared to be the loveliest creature he had ever seen she was taller than the ordinary standard of height faultless in form dignified even to majesty yet withal winsome and piquant her dark hair unstained by powder fell in luxuriant wealth over her neck and shoulders it was a fortunate thing for my wife said rich in afterward recounting the scene to sir joshua reynolds that i was not of a susceptible temperament had it been otherwise i should have found it difficult to retain my equanimity enough to arrange business negotiations with the amalgamated calypso circe and arnida who dazzled my eyes 
a more fascinating daughter of eve never presented herself to a manager in search of rare commodities she was as majestic as juno as lovely as venus and as fresh and charming as hebe the result of the interview was that rich offered her an engagement and she made her first appearance on the metropolitan stage november sixth seventeen forty as sylvia in farquhar's recruiting officer one of her happiest assumptions from that night for as long a time as she remained on the boards she reigned supreme in comedy on may three seventeen fifty seven at covent garden theatre while speaking the epilogue to as you like it in which she played rosalind she was stricken with paralysis and quitted forever the stage on which she had won so many triumphs she died on march twenty eighth seventeen sixty aged only forty one chapter six